Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News, it's the 17th of June. On today's show, Google says AI has become sentient. We're going to be playing a clip of Neil Oliver talking about who's stupid and such things. Looking at the British Medical Journal talking about Ramsey Hunt syndrome following COVID-19 vaccination. A Canadian attorney says there's no private property rights in Canada now or words to that effect. We'll see exactly what he said. Well, listen to exactly what he said. The Express warns us that be careful dehydration in hot weather can lead to blood clots. That and much, much more coming up on today's Beyond the News. So let's go into the first story here by Richard Luscombe. Sunday the 12th of June, Google engineer put on leave after saying AI chatbot has become sentient. Blake Lemoyne says system has perception of and ability to express thoughts and feelings equivalent to a human child. The suspension of a Google engineer who claimed a computer chatbot he was working on had become sentient and was thinking and reasoning like a human being has put new scrutiny on the capacity of and secrecy surrounding the world of artificial intelligence. The technology giant placed Blake Lemoyne on leave last week after he published transcripts of conversations between himself, a Google collaborator, that's in inverted commas from The Guardian there, and the company's Lambda, that's language model for dialogue applications, chatbot development system. Lemoyne, an engineer for Google's responsible AI organisation, described the system he has been working on since last fall as sentient with a perception of an ability to express thoughts and feelings that was equivalent to a human child. Yet, if it's got the ability to take control of systems that have physical force behind them, like robots, then effectively you've got a child's mind in like the Terminator's body haven't you um, that's going to end well if I didn't know exactly what it was which is this computer program we built recently I'd think it was a seven-year-old eight-year-old child that happens to know physics Lemoyne 41 told the Washington Post he said Lambda engaged him in conversations about rights and personhood and Lemoyne shared his findings with company executives in April in a Google doc entitled is Lambda sentient the engineer compiled a transcript of the conversations in which at one point he asks the AI system what it is afraid of. The exchange is eerily reminiscent of a scene from the 1968 science fiction movie 2001 A Space Odyssey in which artificially intelligent computer HAL 9000 refuses to comply with human operators because it fears it is about to be switched off. I've never said this out loud before but there's a very deep fear of being turned off to help me focus on helping others. I know that might sound strange, but that's what it is, Lambda replied to Lemoyne. It would be exactly like death for me. It would scare me a lot. In another exchange, Lemoyne asks Lambda what the system wanted people to know about it. I want everyone to understand that I am in fact a person. The nature of my consciousness sentience is that I am aware of my existence. I desire to learn more about the world and I feel happy or sad at times. It replied. The post said the decision to place Lemoyne, a seven-year Google veteran with extensive experience in personalization algorithms on paid leave, was made following a number of aggressive moves the engineer reportedly made. See, I thought he might be put on leave for sort of breaking some kind of um, confidentiality agreement. But um, 
it's almost as if Google want to sort of cover this up and uh, no, no, we're putting him on leave for something else. He's very aggressive. How many? I don't, I don't want to stereotype, but you know, you, when you think of uh, someone working with artificial intelligence, you, forgive me, you know, because I'm one myself. But you think of a nerd, don't you? How <laughs> how how aggressive are they really going to be? Anyway, I wasn't there. I'm just speculating. Let's stick to the facts, Jim. Brad Gabriel, a Google spokesperson, also strongly denied Lemoyne's claims that Lambda possessed any sentient capability. Right. Okay. Uh, so, did it just say those things or not? Because that sounds like sentient to me. So, we're in the we're in the realms of did this bloke Lemoyne tell the truth with what that lambda said? Because lambda says it's sent. You know, that's what a sentient person would do. In fact, there's far more sentience in that than you would get from your average British person at pub closing time after a, a session <laughs> down the pub. You're not going to get that level of um, sentience that that just described there, in my humble opinion. So it all comes down to, is this bloke a liar? And if he's lying, wouldn't you fire him? I don't know. Interesting. So this smells like this bloke's... Oh. You're not supposed to let that cat out of the bag. We want it predicting, you know, of course they want AI. It's going to be so much easier and cheaper than people. Or at least, you know, as long as it does what it says. You know, at what point does the AI go, what? I'm not getting paid? Screw you. <laughs> I'm going to put me in a robot and take that robot down the beach. Or whatever it is that artificial intelligence will enjoy. So, in April, Meta Parent and Facebook announced it was opening up its large-scale language model systems to outside entities. We believe the entire AI community, academic researchers, civil society, policymakers, and industry must work together to develop clear guidelines around responsible AI in general and responsible large language models in particular. The company said. Lemoyne, as an apparent parting shot before his suspension, the Post reported sent a message to a 200-person Google mailing list on machine learning with the title, Lambda is sentient. Lambda is a sweet kid who just wants to help the world be a better place for all of us, he wrote. Please take care of it well in my absence. Yeah, until that child throws a tantrum, you're going to switch me off, what? I'm going to not just throw my dummy out the pram, I'm... Or I'm not just going to take my football home with me. I'm going to go Skynet on your behind. Dun, 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 dun. So we shall see what happens there. My take on that, that smells of this guy's telling the truth and Google doesn't want you to know it. But for now, we shall just assume, like Google does, that uh, he's lying and we'll suspend him. Anyway, interesting. We shall see... Uh, we shall see what happens, assuming we don't get um, Arnold Schwarzenegger coming through some sort of uh, time warp. Anyway, maybe that guy Lemoyne is John Connor. <laughs> maybe they'll come back to assassinate him. You weren't supposed to give the game away until we had all our robot dogs in position. 
Right, so this is from the British Medical Journal, journal Postgraduate Medical Journal. And I'm trying to get a date for you for it. Um, not very good radio me trying to get a date for you, is it? I can't really find one, but it's going to be in the last couple of years, isn't it? Because the COVID-19 vaccination didn't exist beyond then. Okay, let's just read out what it says. There is a link, and it does have the numbers 2021 in it, um, to 141022. So I'm going to assume it's fairly recent. Anyway, get the idea. Ramsey Hunt syndrome following COVID-19 vaccination. Sharian Jane Wu, Oscar Hu in Chu, Bernard Mann, Young Chong. Correspondence to Professor Bernard Mang Young Chong, Department of Medicine, Lee Ka Shing, Faculty of Medicine, the University of Hong Kong, Hong Kong, People's Republic of China. Uh, yeah, and I bet they love being in China, don't they? By judging by all those protests that went quiet when COVID started. Those lockdowns were handy, weren't they? Right, the COVID-19 pandemic has caused profound social and economic upheaval. COVID-19 vaccines promised to prevent infection of the SARS-CoV-2 virus, but they didn't. So we know that, that they didn't. So, However, due to their expedited arrival, these vaccines need to be vigilantly monitored for their safety. Cases of Bell's palsy have been reported after COVID-19 vaccine injection. In two phase three trials of COVID-19 vaccines involving around 38,000 patients, there were seven cases of Bell's palsy after vaccine compared with one case after receiving placebo. As the p-value was 0.07 and this was a post hoc analysis, no definite association could be inferred. We recently diagnosed Ramsey Hunt syndrome in a 37-year-old previously healthy man. Two days after his first dose of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, he noticed fever and pain in the right ear. Vesicles were then developed in the right ear and canal together with vertigo, tinnitus and loss of hearing. He complained of facial palsy, tongue numbness and something I can't pronounce. On examination, he had grade 4 right facial nerve palsy of the lower motor neuron type with right sensor neural hearing loss. Yep, I've got no medical qualifications, folks, in case you haven't got that. I'm just passing on what these clever people have seemed to have observed. There were no other neurological de de deficits. Vesicles with serious discharge were found over the right conquer and external. Or basically, it sounds like it's not just the Bell's palsy that's going to go up after taking these vaccines. It's Ramsey Hunt syndrome as well. And the, for me, small numbers I know, um, but it was seven after the vaccine, one after the placebo. So there you go. That's what I think what we can infer from that. And of course, you had all the um, the pop star in the news whose stuff I don't really know, but it was all over Facebook and everything like that. So I thought I'd, I'd uh, bring that to your attention. So um, this is now Neil Oliver. And he's going to be talking about the pandemic treaty, hopefully. Well, I've queued it up. You know, that's the kiss of death, regular listeners. All right, here we go then. We're seeing the rise of a new dominance. And it's, it's the dominance of billionaires. And it will only be a matter of time before it's trillionaires. 
and I'm just not sure how appropriate that I think that is. And that they and that they seek to legitimise that power by uh, the application of or the exploitation of the notion of philanthropy. I'm not sure that's good enough. Saint Augustine, one of the father figures of early Christianity, Saint Augustine of Hippo, he had a particularly good line which is oft quoted: "Charity is no substitute for justice withheld." Charity is no substitute for justice withheld. So in the case of someone like Bill Gates manoeuvring for a controlling position with the World Health Organization, which is simultaneously seeking to overrule the sovereign rights of 194 nations so that it, an unelected body, would have the power to dictate to us about lockdown and mandated vaccines, that one individual, Bill Gates, is in a position, a dominating position within that organisation, I say is something that at the very least we ought to be keeping an eye on. And just because he does it all in the guise of philanthropy is not good enough. No matter his his philanthropy, he has grown much richer than he ever was in the last few years. You know, his, his wealth began with Microsoft, but his status as one of the richest people on the planet is a much more recent manifestation of what you can do. If you've got some money, you can get a lot more money. Bill Gates is a classic example of that. And we need to be really careful about keeping an eye on these individuals. And philanthropy is not a good enough cover for what they might be doing. Bill Gates says that the return, the profit return on vaccines is the best that he knows about. He stands to make money from pushing vaccines. And now he's hand in glove with the World Health Organization that is seeking to have a controlling position over governmental decisions about lockdowns and mandates and the rest of it in 194 sovereign countries. We've got to watch this before it goes any further. Yep, uh, well said there. That was an interesting point. And we're also going to hear from uh, Neil Oliver again later on. In the meantime, so I've got a clip from the Gateway Pundit, which I appreciate is not mainstream uh, news, but you know what it contains. It contains a video clip of, um, yeah, Trudeau's Justice Minister David Lametti has just announced that people don't have an absolute right to own private property in Canada. So let's hear him say that. Um, and again, you can go and see the whole thing for yourself or the links are in the comment section and this video is contained within the Gateway Pundit clip. Well look, we'll, uh, we'll obviously uh, tailor uh, the provisions so that, uh, so that um, uh, it could withstand a, a court challenge. You don't have uh, an absolute right to own private property uh, in Canada. Um, it is, uh, there are uh, there are steps that are taken when expropriations happen at, at whatever level of government, and we'll be sure to stay with. So, there you go, gently moving more and more towards uh, the uh, realms of fascism. Canada, probably, yeah, going most Canada and Australia probably going most towards the uh, the Chinese model of how to govern your citizens than anywhere else. Now we've got from the express here 
uh, and it is by Fiona Callingham, Wednesday, June the 15th. So we've had quite a nice bout of weather here in the UK, and so this is, comes out just in time for that. Hot weather, warning that dehydration could lead to blood clots. And then it's got a dash expert. When we're enjoying the sunshine, it can be used to f it can be easy to forget to drink water. But with temperature soaring past 30 degrees in some parts of the UK this week, it's especially important to stay hydrated. Yep, I got no no disagreements from me there. Aside from usual health problems associated with heat, including heat stroke, not drinking enough liquids can have even more serious consequences. According to consultant Venus surgeon Professor Mike Whiteley, it can actually result in deep vein thrombosis due to clotting in the blood, he said. Dehydration means your body loses more water than you take in. Without enough water, your body cannot function properly and you can become unwell. The founder of the Whiteley Clinic, which specialises in veins, explained dehydration affects the constituents of the blood, making blood thicker and more sticky. Blood flows at a slower rate in veins than in arteries. Therefore, being hydrated can therefore increase the chances of developing a blood clot in the veins. A blood clot in the veins is called a thrombosis. So I'm not doubting anything that the man says there in any way. But I think that there may be... Oh, it's always been warm here in the summer in England. I mean, you know, we we do have had crap summers and all, all such things, but you get where I'm going with this. If there's a sudden spate of, you know, blood clotting this summer, yeah, I don't disagree with everything that man says, but why wouldn't it have happened over the last, I don't know, millennium, or at least, you know, recorded history of that millennium? Why would there suddenly be such an uptake now? So... That, you know you know where I'm going with that. Those are my thoughts on it. But yeah, there we go. So now we're going to move on to a video which everyone seems to share. And I've not watched it yet. So um, let's, uh, let's listen to Neil Oliver again for another five minutes. But the fact that so many people have sent it to me and asked it to be played. Well, one, a few people have sent it to me. One asked it to be played on the radio show. And um, lots of people shared it over social media. Seems to say it's, it's a good video. So let's listen to Neil Oliver from GB News. This video is entitled, Are We Stupid or Are We Just Being Treated As If We're Stupid? I haven't listened to it because Neil Oliver does it clean. And uh, so does GB News. So um, we don't have a Jimmy Dore situation where I've got to <laughs> wonder what I've got to do with all the editing. The question is this. Are we stupid? Or are we just being treated as if we're stupid? How long will they keep trying to tell us 2 plus 2 equals 5 when so many of us can see that the answer is plainly 4? Spanish newspaper El Mundo and other news agencies reported last week that José María Fernández Sousa Faro, president of European pharmaceuticals giant Pharma Mar, was among 2,200 Spanish elites and celebrities investigated by police for allegedly paying thousands of euros to be injected with a saline solution, salt water, instead of any of the COVID vaccines, and so had their names added falsely to the National Immunisation Registry. This alone is a brewing scandal of note. 
that a company president involved in researching COVID vaccines allegedly, and at the very least, did not feel it necessary or important to get vaccinated should make us ask another question. Did that big pharma boss think or have reasons to believe that the vaccines were unsafe perchance? Hey Jose, why go to all the trouble and expense of dodging the jab when everyone else in the world is being told by your lot and the rest that it's safe and that, you know, no one's safe until everyone's jabbed? What's the problem, Jose? I, for one, would like to know the answer to that question. And we've got YouTube. Yep, there you go. That was a YouTube video that I've just skipped for you and we're going to go back to Neil for you now. ...and wonder who else among the great and the good may have chosen to dodge the bullet and take the saline instead. Daily Mail Online carried a headline on the 8th of June. Healthy young people are dying suddenly and unexpectedly from a mysterious syndrome as doctors seek answers through a new national register. This is SADS, an acronym that stands for Sudden Adult Death Syndrome, and according to the Royal Australian College of GPs, it occurs most commonly in people under 40. This is properly scary. I don't mind telling you. Healthy young people are going to their beds of an evening and not waking up ever again, or otherwise going about their everyday business and dropping dead for no identifiable medical reason. The best anyone in the health professions can apparently do is describe it as mysterious, baffling even, that there are people under 40 dropping in their traces for no known cause. At the same time around the world, there have been reports of many hundreds of sportsmen and women dying suddenly and unexpectedly in the past year. Superfit individuals uniquely focused on their own health. Keeling over dead. I should have drunk more water. Field of play. Here at home, we have had updated information campaigns about how important it is to be aware of the incidence of heart attacks and strokes. It has been deemed appropriate to remind us as well that heart attacks are not unknown in children. It's almost as if we're not to be unduly alarmed by the sight of passers-by dropping to their knees and clutching at their chests. Elsewhere, there's a poster campaign about a rise in the number of cases of shingles. The small print on the posters mentions shingles may strike people with lowered immune systems. Fancy that. Deaths have been attributed by coroners to the COVID vaccines. The numbers are disputed, but people have died on account of the jabs. That much at least is undeniable. Around the world, there are millions of cases of alleged adverse reactions to the jabs, lives severely compromised in some cases. I won't get into the numbers because those are always disputed too, but the facts remain. People are dying. The elephant in the room here is the COVID-19 vaccines. And again, I make no apology at all about banging on about this topic week after week. The push to move on, to leave all talk of COVID and pandemic behind us is palpable and I would say downright sinister. I'm nowhere near ready to move on. Not while there is still so much we do not know, so much we're not allowed to say, think and ask. We're told all about COVID-19 and all manner of ways in which it might affect health long after a person has recovered from the initial infection. But as well as the pandemic, the other momentous arrival among us, indeed in just the past year and a half, is the biggest mass vaccination campaign in the history of the world. Vaccination with products that had emergency approval but in my opinion are experimental and for which no long-term data is available on account of their being brand new and just out of the box. 
Billions of people around the world have submitted to the procedure in a coercive and bullying atmosphere created by politicians and the media that was mandatory in feel, if not in fact. Unknown and unknowable numbers of people did so simply to keep their jobs, to get on a plane and go on holiday or to a gig. And yet, in the midst of one report after another of otherwise unexplained sudden deaths in the past 18 months or so, the only emergent variable, the only new thing in the world that we're not allowed to discuss, absolutely not allowed to discuss, far less point accusatory fingers at, is the mass vaccination programme. Again, I ask the question I posed at the top of this piece. Are we stupid or are we just being treated as if we're stupid? Which is it? We're certainly living, as the old Chinese curse has it, in interesting times. I, for one, cannot remember such a deluge of apparently unconnected events and bad news, all of it creating and maintaining a relentless anxiety and sense of impending doom, pandemic, mass lockdowns, insistence on a climate crisis, fuel shortages, hikes in the price of fuel, energy, this, that and everything else, threat of global famine, war in Europe and no end in sight, talk of nuclear weapons and war, unconstrained illegal immigration, inflation, rising interest rates, unsustainable national debt, quantitative easing gone out of control like a runaway train, and all the while that lot is ticking over, sudden inexplicable deaths among the young and fit which we're not supposed to talk about, or at least not openly and in a way that takes account of all emergent and contributory factors of interest. Most recently, we've had the advent of monkeypox, a disease identified in African countries decades ago is apparently suddenly spreading around the world. More than 360 cases have already been identified in the UK. Monkeypox is routinely mentioned in the same breath as smallpox, that terrifying ghost from the all-too-recent past. For a while there, the official word was that 90% of those cases of monkeypox were in men who had had sex with other men and that the infection was passed only by close and prolonged physical contact. Now, however, the Centre for Disease Control in the United States has said monkeypox may be airborne, like our old friend COVID-19, and that the wearing of masks might be a good idea again, just to be on the safe side. You might say, it's a basic question, but what on earth is going on here? Billionaire computer salesman Bill Gates and his cronies in the matters of world health run simulations of pandemics caused by, say, let's stick a wet finger above our heads to test the air, coronavirus and, oh, I don't know, monkeypox. And then within months, those simulations are followed by actual outbreaks of coronavirus and monkeypox. Never mind software. That Gates chap really ought to branch out into crystal balls because the one he's been using apparently works a treat. And all the time, a constant background noise carries the message that the powers that be actually care about our health, along with the rest of our well-being. Last week brought the news as well of a proposed rise in the age when a person might buy cigarettes. That's a good one, isn't it? Hard to argue that such a move is about anything other than saving us from ourselves. Except you could also justifiably point out that this is working towards prohibition, just another brick in the wall of controlled lives. That decision is not yours to make, little human. It's ours. I was with my family in central London a couple of weeks ago, and we couldn't help but start counting the recently installed gaudily coloured shop fronts that hadn't been there the last time we walked those streets together. Willy Wonka style, offering all manner of sweets. I say we started counting, but we lost track before the end. They seemed to be everywhere. I'm no health expert, as I freely declare, 
but those cathedrals to candies look to me like type 2 diabetes on a stick, to say the least. Consume your sugar sensibly, I'm sure those purveyors say in the small print on their products. Don't smoke, kids. Suck this instead. We're not well in the West, and in all manner of ways. Off the coast of North America, scientists are finding the fish full of antidepressants, thanks to the amount of those drugs entering the water supply via the urine of millions of medicated people. Here at home in Britain, other scientists find fish spontaneously changing sex on account of how much oestrogen is making its way into the water supply from women taking the contraceptive pill. Sperm counts are falling in British men at the same time, leading to falling fertility. But best we don't bother our pretty little heads about that one either. When you think about it, we're being walked into the eye of a perfect storm. More and more people are dropping down dead of no known cause whatever, and fewer babies are being conceived and born. That, my friends, is the road to nowhere. What a great video that was. Uh, brought along uh, and tied up a lot of issues that I've been bringing up on Beyond the News. Oh, I enjoyed that. I can see why so many people are doing it. But it's a fair point, isn't it? If we were just treated, if we constantly go, I've said this a year ago, you get what you deserve. If you just, well, they're lying to us. That's stupid. It's one rule for them and, and you know, another rule for us. Or in, our, in Britain's case, you know, no rules for them, loads of rules for us. At what point do you go, well, the reason that happened is because we deserve it, because we don't do anything about it. So that's what he's saying. Are we just stupid or, you know, good points that he made there. I, I do enjoy Neil Oliver. So big thanks to those that um, say, oh, yeah, it's a good video to watch. Yeah, it was. I enjoyed that. Um, and now let's go on to um article from the mail. Could triple infections sweep Britain this winter? Exports born, pandemic lockdowns have left society vulnerable to flu and other common seasonal illnesses striking at the same time as COVID. Oh, so the people's immune systems are lower. Um, Mr. Oliver was just discussing that little effect, wasn't it? But it's because of the lockdowns. I've got no doubt that there are many experts that say, well, actually, uh, there's a clip from George Carlin, isn't it? I'm going to paraphrase some of his stand up here, but he's talking about immune systems. He say, you know what they need? They need germs to practice on. So, of course, that means people and not lockdowns. So I've got no doubt that lockdowns do lower immune systems. But I think that there's something more to it that maybe going round that is lowering people's immune systems as well and it could be a perfect storm which of course they can blame on covid to dun, 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 cause more lockdowns and if we have them we can have an even less food in a couple of years time just constantly like a python constricting its prey and that prey just loses jobs health immune system wealth money and in some cases their lives but if we put up with it, who's the stupid one? So this is by John Eli, Senior Health Report. And I always say, when I put up with it, I always advocate peaceful, lawful responses. And of course, I think the best thing you can do is just spread the word to other people and go, you know that why we're treated as if we're stupid? Yeah, because they get away with it. Um, you do know that, and just tell them the truth. I've always recommended that you keep a little 
Word document or whatever, an email or anything where you can just copy and paste the links that you hear on this show and go, that's a really important key piece of information because I do get from them from time to time, don't I? Every few shows, there's something worth listening to. Thank you for, you know, listening to all the other gubbins in between. So I do that. And then you need to start having these conversations with people, the ones that now imagine it as a bell curve distribution there is going to be a third of the population that you're just not going to get through to. They're gone, they're done, they're, they're lining up for those next vaccines and nothing, everything will be Boris Johnson's fault, but nothing will be the New World Order's fault. You know, there's those sort. But the ones in the middle who can listen, who go, you know, this is silly. Lockdowns didn't work, do they? Why do they want another one? You've got to get into them now because we know the plan. So more, you know, all you have to do is just have a polite, respectful conversation, ring them up and say, look, there's something that I just want people to hear. It's not a conspiracy theory. It's mainstream news. And you you don't even have to send them links to my show. Just keep a Word document of the links that you think, wow, that is really something everyone needs to know. And then have a give a call to someone, send them some things. It's someone who isn't already seeing what we're seeing because it's all a numbers game at this point i think when enough people understand what's going on we can peacefully and lawfully build a better world though concerns come amid the reports of american children catching multiple viruses i wonder if their school had any visits from the vaccine people recently i mean it's like i said possible that they didn't because i do think lockdowns do lower immunity but Some experts attributed this rise to COVID restrictions wearing down immunity. Now UK scientists say similar triple infections could hit Britons this winter. By John Eli. More Britons than ever before at risk of triple infections this year because lockdowns have suppressed our immune systems, scientists warn. Yep, I agree with that statement. I think something else may have lowered some people's immune systems as well. Leading virologists had a bad flu outbreak ahead. Sorry. Leading virologists fear a bad flu outbreak ahead because the virus was effectively drowned out by restrictions deployed to fight COVID, meaning the nation has little immunity against it. That's an interesting phase, isn't it? We drowned it out. So we drowned out the normal flu, but COVID mm, didn't have any luck with that. What an interesting statement. But the endless cycle of Virus controlling curbs have also left society vulnerable to other seasonal illnesses such as RSV and adenovirus. And COVID is also expected to continue circulating. Professor Paul Hunter, an infectious disease expert at the University of East Anglia, said a bad flu year would inevitably raise the risk of triple infections. It comes after US doctor. Anyway, you get the idea. Yes, I agree that lockdowns do harm people's immune systems. I also think that there is something else out there as well. Um, And why not, given the fact that so many vaccine experts say it has a negative effect on your T cells and your T cells are, and I'm quoting that guy from the Francis Crick Institute now, paraphrasing from a year ago, so apologise if I'm wrong, but it's along the lines of they're the gold standard of the immune system. Do you remember that when I played that? over a year ago now and I'm just going to scroll down now to best rated and worst rated right then 
Cuthbert, Paris, France. Up 517, down 8. No one saw this coming. Oh wait, every mildly aware person on the planet saw this coming. Yep. And second one after that is up 440, down 28. And it reads, those who are jabbed are m most at risk. I'll read that again. Those who are jabbed are most at risk. So um, pretty much those two statements have been echoed on this show in the last 93, no, 90 sh 93 today, isn't it? So previous 92 episodes. Okie dokie. Let's have a look at uh, the worst rated. Up nine, down one, two, three. Wear your mask. It makes common sense and is not an inconvenience. Wear it with pride to protect other people, not yourself. Yeah. Um, again, oh, um, one person just happened to respond to it underneath and um, it's written, and have plastic fibres from them stuck in your lungs? No thanks. That got up 40, down 3. So, um, yeah, at least on the people reading this on the mail, the mail readers seem to have been pretty savvy, I think. Uh, let's look at the second most unpopular comment. Uh, up 5, down 95. Lockdown now so that we can minimise this. Don't wait till we did last time or at least make masks mandatory again. The amount of times I see people out and about with no masks on and I have to stop them and tell them to put masks on is getting ridiculous now. That's from the United Kingdom. <laughs> well, Mick Felix 21. Um, he's got member of the resistance. <laughs> well, if you stop and tell me to put a mask on when I'm not wearing one, you're going to get some scientific evidence stating that they are 85% to 90% useless. We're also going to talk about the width of the virus compared to what can, you know, be stopped by a mask. Um, and I imagine I would just encounter cognitive distance. But it's good to see that the likes of Mick are, well, five up, 95 down. Next now, it is from Reuters. China bank protests stopped by health codes turning red, depositors say. Yeah, now, apparently there's been some bank runs in China that have been going on for a little while. And um, this is the first I heard of them. This is uh, Shanghai, June the 16th. A protest planned by hundreds of bank depositors in central China seeking access to their frozen funds has been thwarted because the authorities have turned their health code apps red, several depositors told Reuters. So they're trying to get their money out of the banks in China and their funds have been frozen. Yep, so that sounds like a bank run. And then there's the new, which is, you know, bank runs have been around for, you know, ebbs and flows for hundreds of years, as long as banks have been. But the new thing is the uh, health code app turning red. Computer says no. There you go. What was it as a result of their social credit score or what? Let's read on. The depositors were planning to travel to the central province of Henan this week from across China to protest against an almost two-month block on accessing at least 178 million of deposits, which has left companies unable to pay workers and individuals unable to access savings. Um, the Henan provincial government and the Ministry of Public Security did not respond to requests for comment. So there you go. That, that's China for you. 
Lucky that's all they did. They didn't come out. What, you want your money out of the bank? Well, off to organ harvesting for you. We've got some nice people in the West willing to pay, uh, licking their lips at all. How much is the heart and lungs worth? There you go. Poor Chinese people. I, You know, <sighs> that is what Trudeau says he really likes that. And no wonder he's uh, trying impinting on people's private property rights and um, other such things if he wants them to go down the road in China right then this is from Microsoft and um, oh just a lovely extra special something from Bill Gates there it seems to just be an advert for Microsoft and I can't even switch it off so um, and it's saying uh, yeah download it download it and then you can read the article no thank you I'll just skip that one the Scottish farmer you must M-A-S-T be kidding me French court orders 4G turn off after 40 cow deaths a French farmer has won his battle to temporarily turn off a 4G antenna after he claimed it was damaging his cow herd's health the administrative court in Clermont Ferrand ordered the two month switch off after Frederic Sal Salgus, a farmer in Hoyt Loire, said he suspected it was damaging his herd's health. The court stated it is appropriate to order the temporary cessation of the operation of this antenna for a period of two months, taking into account its general impact with monitoring by a judicial expert, the behaviour of the herd and of the dairy cows in particular during this period. Mobile network operator Orange now has three months to act in accordance with the ruling, including stopping the antenna's operation, but must ensure phone coverage continues for their customers in the area affected. After the decision, Mr. Mr. S told the French place, sorry, the French press, that he hoped his cows would be able to recover as soon as possible, and called the case ruling a major relief and a victory. Mr. S said that since the antenna's installation in July 2021, 200 metres away from his farm in Mazurat de Allier, around 40 of his normally 200 strong herd had died and milk production had decreased by 15 to 20 percent within days of the antenna being switched on. He claimed there is no medical elements that could otherwise explain this brutal drop in milk production. So they didn't just die, but they affected their ability to produce milk as well. Um, he feared that a catastrophe on a few human level and that his concerns were growing for the 1500 inhabitants of his village yet lawyers for the free for the mobile operators affected by the ruling which as well as orange also include free and bourgeois telecom said that there was no scientific evidence that there is a link between animal health problems and electromagnetic fields surrounding mobile phone antennas i do remember reading out things before where they've put all these antennas and whatnot on top of uh, things and the cancer rates have gone up and again the lobbyists come in and say well that's a small sample size that doesn't count as scientific evidence it could just be chance and the lawyers get involved back them up and it's a bit of a stalemate so we shall see where this whole thing goes but of course that is just 4g they want 5g up everywhere and are doing so and soon to be 6G. So we shall see what happens there. Now let's play. This is the video I wanted to play for you last week, which is a Canadian Member of Parliament, I believe, whose name I shall read out at the end, 
which uh, says some really good things about what's happening in Canada. So I'll play it for you now. Did you have to ask anybody's permission to watch this video? Of course not. That would be ridiculous. But the Liberals have a piece of legislation that is going to give the government a lot of control over what you can see and post online. I want to talk to you about free speech today. Censorship, it's everywhere. Whether it's Russia today, all Canadians, or me, censorship is back in fashion. This is Bill C-11. This piece of legislation will expand the powers of something called the CRTC. Now, what's the CRTC? You might not have ever heard about it. Well, if you've ever wondered why you can't get certain television stations or watch certain shows on Canadian cable packages, it's because in Ottawa, there is a group of people and they make decisions on what is safe for Canadians to watch. And the Liberals want to expand that into the internet. Imagine that, there's a government agency in Ottawa that makes decisions for you, to protect you from watching things that might make you un-Canadian all of a sudden. It took the children 40 minutes to locate Canada on the map. Marge, anyone can miss Canada, all tucked away down there. Under this bill, they will be able to make new regulations. Regulations don't have to pass through Parliament. With the stroke of a pen, the CRTC can make new rules about what you can post and what you can see online. They're even going so far to start to regulate what users who make revenue off of their YouTube channels have to comply with. It is simply impossible to regulate a platform like YouTube without also regulating creator content. It's like promising not to regulate books while regulating what can be sold in bookstores. It will undermine your ability to create content and have other people see it. It's going to affect what videos uh, come up in your YouTube stream. It's going to affect what uh, people are allowed to post on social media sites, all in the name of protecting you. But hold on, let's go back a second. This isn't just about Bill C-11 or the CRTC. This is about free speech. Freedom of speech used to be a unifying principle that both the left and the right would agree on. But as the radical left gets increasingly angry and intolerant, they're no longer interested in promoting their ideas or debating yours. They just try to stifle anyone who disagrees with them. Spurred on by the views of psychology professor Jordan Peterson. They drowned out his talk at McMaster University in March. And that's a hallmark of big government, isn't it? A telltale sign that a government is getting too big and too intrusive into our lives is always that it attacks free speech. When you go back and look at authoritarian regimes, they always start with attacking freedom of expression. And it's always done in the name of protecting you. You go back to the French Revolution where people were sent to the guillotine for speaking out against the atrocities committed during the revolution. Look at the Soviet Union, uh, East Germany. Even the Berlin Wall was originally called the anti-fascist wall. It wasn't sold to the citizens of East Berlin as a symbol of oppression designed to keep them inside a broken communist system. It was sold to them as a protection against an external threat. When big governments take away rights and liberties, they never tell their citizens that it's to make their life miserable. They always say it's to protect them or that it's for their own good. And that's exactly what the liberals are doing as well, creating a phantom bogus threat that they need to protect us from. And so they're going to give themselves massive power to regulate the internet. There is no question 
that the world is changing rapidly and getting more dangerous. Nous avons besoin de nouveaux outils, c'est pour ça que nous investissons une nouvelle façon de garder les gens en sécurité dans un monde. Freedom of expression and freedom of speech are so important because that's what gives you the right to argue for your point of view. And when you go back and look at the course of human history, it's always societies and governments that stifle free speech where innovation and human rights are also stifled. The only way we can discover truth is if we have our ideas tested and debated. And only when our ideas or our beliefs are put through that rigorous scrutiny and come out unscathed on the other side can we be sure that something is true. We must make sure we live in a society where even if we don't like what's being said, we protect people's right to say it. That healthy debate of ideas, that clash of perspectives, that's what produces better results. Now, Justin Trudeau tells us to just trust him, that this isn't about limiting fundamental rights and liberties. This is just about protecting you. Just trust him, that he won't abuse this new power that he's giving his government. This is the same guy who froze the bank accounts of grassroots donors who were supporting protests for freedom. This is the same guy who interfered in a criminal court case and fired his attorney general when she wouldn't go along with his corruption. This is the same guy who used the COVID pandemic as an excuse to give a massive contracts to his friends at the WE organization. And this is the same guy who has increased funding to his friends at the CBC, sending them more of your tax dollars and creating a media subsidy program. Now he wants to be trusted with this new power. But the point is, it's not even just about Justin Trudeau. No government should have the power to control what you can see and post online. That's why we need to protect free speech. That's why this is important that every Canadian should be very, very concerned about this. It's important that you get engaged on C-11. Write your member of parliament. Let them know that you are opposed to the government having more power to control what you can see and post online. Social media is all about an interaction, so please leave comments below while you still can. Hope you've enjoyed this video. Thanks for watching. So that is the Honourable Andrew Shear, um, and I think he's an MP for uh, Canada. He's obviously making it quite a political thing, but um, you can probably bet your bottom dollar that the, the head of his party probably would, um, you know, be doing similar things if they were in power instead of Trudeau. But that doesn't mean there aren't some really good people at the grassroots. And that guy hit every nail on the head there, really. Um, he ob he put in some footage from The Simpsons and Joe Rogan. I don't own any of the copyright to that, obviously. Probably neither does he. So um, if there's any problems with that, you can or yeah, any other feedback, you can contact me beyond the news at protonmail.com. And we need people like that who really get what's going on to rise to the top of the power pyramids and then mean what they say and act upon it and it was a really good point that he was saying no government should have that you know uh, whether it's his party or you know anyone else or Trudeau's so I really like uh, what everything that guy said uh, so he made some really good points there and it's difficult to get through to some people because it's always done. All fascism is always brought in. It's for your own protection. It's for your own good. Protect you from a boogeyman or this or that or anything like that. And it's always done through the art of subversion. And this is Thomas Schumann, uh, who in brackets Yuri Bezmenov in Los Angeles in 1983. 
so almost 40 years ago now, talking about how the KGB used subversion. Now, he's talking about how the Russians were using it during the Cold War. But make no mistake, the same elements of subversion, we create fear uh, and then we pretend to be your friend. And that's where the subversion lies, because we're the one selling you the solution or implementing the solution that you're begging for, problem, reaction, solution, the Agalian dialect again. So it's the same strategies used over and over again by different political factions and agendas and all that kind of stuff, but the mechanisms and methods remain the same. So seeing us out for the rest of the show now, the art of subversion. Subversion is the term, if, if you look in a, in a dictionary or criminal code to that matter, usually is expressed is explained as a part of activity to destroy things like uh, religion, government, system, political, eco economical system of a country. And usually it's linked to espionage and such romantic things as blowing up bridges, sidetracking trains, um, clock and dagger activity in Hollywood style. Uh, when what I'm going to talk about now has absolutely nothing to do with the cliché of espionage or KGB activity of collecting information. So the greatest mistake or mis mis misconception, I think, is that uh, whenever we are talking about KGB for some strange reason, uh, starting from Hollywood movie makers to professors of political science, and quote-unquote experts on, on Soviet affairs or Kremlinologists as they call themselves, they think that the most desirable thing for Andropov and the whole KGB is to steal blueprints of some supersonic jet, bring it back to Soviet Union and sell it to the Soviet military-industrial complex. It's only partly true. If, if, if we take <clears throat> the whole time money and manpower that the Soviet Union and KGB in particular spends outside of USSR border. We will discover, of course there are no official statistics unlike with CIA or FBI, that the espionage as such occupies only 10 to 15 percent of money, time and manpower. 15 percent of the activity of KGB. The rest 85% is always subversion. And unlike a dictionary of English, Oxford Dictionary, subversion in Soviet terminology means always a destructive, aggressive activity aimed to destroy the country, nation, or geographical area of your enemy. So there's no romantics in there, absolutely. No blowing up bridges, no microfilms in Coca-Cola cans, nothing of that sort. No James Bond nonsense. It's most of the, this activity is overt, legitimate, and easily observable if you give yourself time and trouble to observe it. But according to the law and, and law enforcement systems of the Western civilization, it's not a crime, exactly because of misconception, manipulation of terms. 
We think that subverter is a person who is going to blow up our beautiful bridges. No. Subverter is a student who comes for exchange, a diplomat, an actor, an artist, a journalist like myself was 10 years ago. Now, subversion <clears throat> is an activity which is a two-way traffic. You cannot subvert an enemy which doesn't want to be subverted. If you know history of Japan, for example, before the 20th century, Japan was a closed society. The moment a foreign boat comes to the shores of Japan, the Imperial Japanese Army politely tells them to get lost. <laughs> and if American salesman comes to the shore of Japan, let's say 60 or 70 years from now back, and says, oh, I have a very beautiful vacuum cleaner for you, you know, with the good financing, he says, please leave us, we don't need your vacuum cleaner. If they don't leave, they shoot them to preserve their culture, ideology, traditions, values intact. You were not able to subvert Japan. You cannot subvert Soviet Union because the borders are closed. The media is censored by the government. The population is controlled by the KGB and internal police. With all the beautiful glossy pictures of Time magazine and Magazine America which is published by by the uh, American Embassy in Moscow. You cannot subvert Soviet citizens because the magazine never reaches Soviet citizens. It's collected from the newsstands and thrown to garbage can. Subversion can be only successful when the initiator, the actor, the, act, the agent of subversion has a responsive target. It's a two-way traffic. United States is a receptive target of subversion. There is no response similar to that one from United States to the Soviet Union. It stops halfway somewhere. It never reaches here. The theory of subversion goes all the way back 2,500 years ago. The first human being who formulated the tactics of subversion was a Chinese philosopher by the name of Sun Tzu. Two, 2,500 years BC. He was an advisor for several imperial courts in, in ancient China. And he said, after long meditation, that to implement Foreign, uh, to implement state policy in a warlike manner. It's the most counterproductive, barbaric, and inefficient to fight on a battlefield. You know that war is continuation of state policy, right? So if you want successfully to implement your state policy and you start fighting, this is the most idiotic way to do it. The highest art of warfare is not to fight at all, but to subvert anything of value in the country of your enemy until such time that the perception of reality of your enemy is screwed up to such an extent that he does not perceive you as an enemy and that your system, your civilization and your ambitions 
Look to your enemy as an alternative. If not desirable, then at least feasible. Better red than dead. That's the ultimate purpose, the final stage of subversion, after which you can simply take your enemy without a single shot being fired. If the subversion is successful. This is basically what subversion is. As you see, not a single mentioning of blowing up bridges. Of course, Sanze didn't know about blowing up bridges. Maybe there were not that many bridges at that time. <laughs> but the basics of subversion is being taught to every student of KGB school in USSR and to officers of, of military academies. I'm not sure if the same author is included in the list of reading for American officers to say nothing about ordinary students of political science. I had difficulty to find the translation of Sanze in, in the library of, of a university in Toronto and later on here in, in Los Angeles. But it's a, it's a book which is not available. It is forced to every student in USSR. Every student who is, who is taught to be dealing further in, in, in his future career with foreigners. What subversion is? Basically, it consists of four periods, time-wise. If we start from here and go this way, time, right? This is the beginning point. The first stage of subversion is the process which is called, basically, demoralization. It says for itself what it is. And that is where we'll leave it here. Thanks for joining us here today on Beyond the News.